gosh, I, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's the craziest part, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd probably conk him in the forehead. Hello, everybody. I am partnered up across from me with, I'm not sure if it's Frank or David because they're wearing the same shirt today. To my right, I have the <laughs> owner of Davis T- Tent Company, Will, and I guess, Taylor, you're little marketing, little... A little bit of everything, yeah. A li- little bit of everything. So, Davis Tent, obviously, we've been a huge supporter of them. I've used them, you know, off and on for years. But, Will, you purchased the company recently. Yeah, 2018, in March of 2018. Gotcha. And you still, Chris still works there. Chris is the grandson of the founder? Is yeah. That- Right. Okay. Yeah. And is there any other family members still over there? Or just Chris. Just Chris. Uh, Roy and Rick uh, had run the business. Art had turned it over to them. When they wanted to retire, uh, they sold the business, and we were fortunate enough to have Chris stick around, be part of our team, and he really pay, plays an intricate role there. Gotcha. And you know, for for those who who don't know, but which, which if you ever slept in a wall tent, I'm sure you do. Um, Davis Tent does uh, the, the kind of the standard uh, outfitter wall tent that you would see. Um, you guys have, in fact, I was talking to you about it the other day, Will, uh, probably too many options, but um, a, a ton of different options, stoves. You guys do uh, bed rolls and cots, and you guys do a little bit of uh, the whole package for what you need. Um, give us a little bit of history of the company, you buying it, and then you know, what you guys offer. Yeah, I'm going to, if you don't mind, even back up a little bit from that. Uh, when Art Davis started uh, Art's Saddlery Shop, and he made three saddles. Uh, and then he had a guy ask him to make a wall tent. So he sold one of those saddles and bought a sewing machine. Sold another one and bought some material. These are and, the good stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he made a wall tent for this guy and loved it. And Art thought, dang. A hell of a lot easier making a tent than it is making a saddle. <laughs> so that one saddle is still in our shop that he didn't sell. Uh, so there you go. He traded basically two saddles, didn't sell any saddles, and got into the wall tent. So that's kind of a kind of a neat background story of how it all got started at Davis Tent. And uh, Chris would be Art's grandson, and we still see Art, by the way. Uh, he had a little bit of an illness recently, but uh, I typically see him a couple times a month. Uh, and in fact, his sons I see less often. I might see once a month, something along those lines. But they're good friends of mine, and I love having them come in. And usually I have some question for them because, you know, I don't come from a background where I was a material expert. Uh, and so it's great to be able to pick those guys' brain and make sure that we're on track. You're in the right crowd because uh, Frank and I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's a confusing world, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is. But uh, that's why you have people like that to, to help you out. So, uh, you know, what year was that roughly when he was going from making the transition from saddles to well, Yeah, well, we kind of claim 1955 because that's when Art got into the sewing industry. and uh, so. And he had actually made wall tents before he made saddles, uh, working for someone else. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's around 72. Mm. So, and I only bring, I bring that up is a lot of times um, looking at, um, I, I don't know if and Frank maybe argue, I think sometimes because of the way social media is, and if you can't find it on Instagram, then it just didn't happen. 
And so it's always the context, right, for how long somebody's been doing something. Um, and, and I know, uh, like the one I was telling you about the other day, that where we, we have to replace it, that fucker is old. I, I don't know if it's from 72, but it might be 1980. And, you know, it just finally saw, you know, it's, it's life. Um, and, it, you know, I, that one there, I think, has been set up from, uh, the standard kind of A-frame, cut down a couple trees front and back and let her rip yeah, to, yeah. to, I mean, it's it's seen, having Scotty tell stories about sleeping in that, you know, in, in Montana with his dad in like the 90s. And uh, it, finally it, it gave up the ghost, but long life. It's pretty amazing. You know, we see things like that all the time. The oldest tent I've ever seen in our shop was close to 60 years old. Uh, I we have a sh- I know we have a tent in the shop right now that's 30 or a little bit more than that in age. Uh, we worked on one last year that was definitely 40. Um, so, you know, people will tell us things about when they bought it. Like, I bought it in Kremling, and that's where Art's Saddle Shop. So we have a real good idea. Or I bought it out of Art's basement. Uh, they used to haul canvas rolls, hundreds of pounds, into the basement and cut them on a pool table. And then haul what they did back up. Every morning started with setting up a wall tent in the backyard so customers could see the product. Uh, so, yeah, we have these little indicators. We've changed sod cloth over the years, or they changed sod cloth over the years. And so I can usually look at somebody and say, you know, because we have people that have been around there 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. How did we do this? Well, it's, it's, we get that because I'm a little bit more, um, I've been here a little longer than Frank, but not enough, right? Like, how many things have you seen come in or, or a photo? Uh, hey, when was this made? And it's like, I have no fucking idea. That's really old. <laughs> you know, maybe 97, you know, I, I, right. I and again, Patrick owned um, Mountain Smith before this, but we can same kind of tell there's different things on like a lumbar pad or a frame or how the frame or a, a bag fits on. But I mean, some of the, you know, a, yeah. a guy. Sometimes we'll get some, like some old prototype that, that Patrick made that <laughs> nobody knows what it is. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe we'll ask like uh, one of his daughters or something like that. And they'll yeah. be like, oh, that was from whatever in the 90s. Yeah. It's pretty cool history to see. That's awesome. But one, one of the reasons, uh, you know, we wanted to get you guys on here is um, kind of like I talked with you about teepees are, are great for, um, you know, saving weight backpacking in. But it's kind of disingenuous for me to sleep in a teepee beside a truck because, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're tight on room, but it, it is nice sleeping in a wall tent. And people have asked me before, like, hey, why do you sleep in a Hilleberg or a wall tent? And I, I you know, and Frank, you could dive in. We sleep in what is best for that applicable situation. And when you're by the truck, now, if you can't afford a teepee in a wall tent or vice versa, obviously you got to choose, but a wall tent's just more comfortable. Um, I mean, and I, you know, you don't lose the space from the teepee. And so I was, you know, like we talked about, going to get it probably like a link up on our website because a, a wall tent, um, the, the stove for one, it has a l- much longer burn time, much larger, you know, box for heating it. And so if you're by a truck, it, it just makes sense to sleep in a wall tent. Um, and I... I mean, Frank, I don't know. I probably, I got a hundred nights in my life in a wall tent. So not a ton. I've I got well more on the ground, but I didn't want to get out of bed. I mean, I can tell you that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you guys 
Were you on the uh, the hunt with with them when they they brought the uh, the Davis tent with them? Not on their recent hunt, but I've used them a bunch with like Jordan in um in Idaho. If we're if we're truck camping, it's like you're saying it's 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 so comfortable. It's almost like you're staying in a in a, a motel or a hotel right next to the truck. So. Um, just the comforts that you get, you get to stay on a full size cot. You have the stove that burns just about all night, maybe wake up once or twice and restock it and switch off with your buddies and you can, you can cook in them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that's, uh, that's something I I look forward to in, uh, especially those later, late October, early November hunts. Some of those mule deer hunts, those guys had a, uh, Davis tent that I was with. Anyway, they, they brought a microwave and a generator so. <laughs> yeah, yeah a little different so but i mean it's applicable for for what you're what you're doing and i mean when you're out there with jordan um you know when it's snowing and i pick a temperature zero degrees outside i mean you can have to be about you know broke back mountain naked inside of a wall tent it's hot when that stove is going and you guys offer what three different size stoves we do and we like to say you can play poker in your underwear Frank yeah. does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, re- regardless of what shelter I'm in. No. Uh, oh, hold on, dude. We don't, we don't like to hear the stories about playing poker. We just like to say that. Can I play chess? I like chess more than poker. Yeah. What's that uh, game called? Twister? Um, <laughs> you got to have a sod clock down. Yeah. It's going to get muddy, though. You, do you yeah, play chess when you're out hunting? I do, yeah. I, I played on my phone quite a bit. Chinese checkers. <laughs> I'm a chess player, so... Um, and I took my boys, I asked you because I took my boys on a whitetail trip this year and it was the loneliest thing I ever did. Cause anytime we were in hunting, they were sitting there playing chess. Yeah. I just, it's not a spectator sport, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. I, uh, you, I mean, for me, I play, uh, like online chess as well. So like if I'm in the, well, I've, I've switched over to this dot game, which is just as annoying as chess, but, um, it's something to do when you're laying in the tent and you know, it's. 40 mile an hour winds and getting, you know, no one to talk to. Frank's three miles from me. And I'm like, hello, bird. So I, I play chess or whatever. But um, with your shelters, uh, you know, the, the tent, what all do you offer? Like kind of a, a, um, the different sizes, what you suggest, if it's two, four people or, or whatever. Yeah, we, we have a you know, real wide range depending on hunting party size. Like I hunt a lot solo or maybe with one other guy. So, you know, we have some small tents. One that we rolled out this last year, we call the go tent, which is really a great tent. Like if a guy was using a teepee base camp and, but wanted something else, uh, it's just a 10 by 10, but you can fit a stove in it and two cots. And so it's not much to heat, you know, great little tent, quick, easy little setup all the way up to, we do, we do do some bigger things in this, but uh, you said doo-doo. Yeah, we have to, it's kind of rule on the podcast. got to bring that up. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Not to break your train of thought or anything. <laughs> I, I got to admit, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, and I was going to try to avoid doo-doo as much as possible. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, My bad. Uh, typically, the biggest size we make is 16 by 24. Uh, you know, you're talking about a 68-guy tent there for sure. Uh, and then for any of those sizes, except for that smallest, a little bit different format, go tent, we make cook shacks for them. So guys can add an extra 10 feet to it, get a cook shack uh, that's kind of a divided off space. So they don't have to heat that area as well. They can just open up the doors and let it heat up from a cook shack cooking standpoint, close the door, and they, they're heating only the tent they have. So yeah, it's, it's pretty wide ranging. You know, it's, I think what people misunderstand the most, especially coming out of, you know, more of a a backcountry, keep it light kind of a background is that when you get into the wall tent and you guys have used them enough to know, you know, you need a 14 by 16 tent for three, four guys, you know, because you have more gear, you're not trying to be, 
you yeah. can bring dang near the kitchen sink. Well, one of the cool things we did is uh, two of those guys had had their own wall tents and we just butted them up together like long ways yeah. and made just like one really long, huge wall tent. The three guys slept in the back one and then I was up front next to the, the stove, one of the stoves and, and the cook set up. They had two stoves in there. That thing was cranking hot yeah. with two stoves going. And this is exactly uh, what we did. It used to be the cook shacks were three-sided tents. So they had three sides and then the open side butted up against the, uh, the first tent or the main tent. And so it overlapped it by a foot. We pioneered four-sided cook shacks. And the reason we did that is you can still open up the doors all the way. You don't stake down the first one or the big tent in the front. You don't stake down the little tent in the back. And then you can make it a wide open tent. But the cool thing about it is, let's say you're with six guys or four guys that time. Next time, if you want to go out solo or with one, you just take your cook shack because you got a small tent. Mm -hmm. But it really gives you a lot of flexibility. Yeah. And I, one of the, uh, you know, the cool things, um, you know, people, I, you have to understand, like you said, drying clothes, I guess is what I'm leading up to is, it is um, kind of one of the beauty things of when you're soaking wet or the snow or whatever, the weather, it's much easier to rig up clotheslines and get that thing cranking. Now, I've been to the point I've gotten it so hot, I've had to get off the cot and lay on the ground trying to get all my clothes dry. But, um, you, you know, they're very advantageous to that. You, you get everything dried off. You can eat while you're in there and by the next morning have everything that was soaking wet totally dry and actually much quicker than that. And um, I always, you know, we always just string cord across and make it pretty simple around the stove. You can burn your shit, though that stove gets hot. And so on more than one occasion, I've had guys with, or you can shrink your boots. That's another problem. <laughs> you, uh, you have your boots soaking wet, throw them right by that stove. They may be dry in the morning, but they may be a half size smaller. <laughs> um, but it's a different dynamic. It's a totally different world than ultralight backpack hunting. But, you know, when you, try, what I try to parallel the guys is if you're going, uh, as light as you can on a backpack hunt, right? You're going with the best gear, what's most applicable, what keeps you the most comfortable. It's no different. It's a different, um, I, I mean, a different world, right? You're going heavy, but you're also doing what's best for the applicable hunt you're on. You may be heavier, but you're also going with what's the most comfortable and you're throwing a truck, so it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. I would say probably probably have 30 days where it's wall tent applicable a year, something like that. Sometimes you probably a little bit more. Frank goes to Idaho quite a bit. And, you know, when I was with Ryan Avery, um, we were, you know, sleeping in a wall tent and it was one of those things, North Idaho, shit weather, right? Underbrush, everything's soaking wet. I don't know that we would have made it more than three or four days without a wall tent. Um, Cause you just, you had to dry everything out you had every night or you would have been just screwed. And then, I mean, you're talking about rain, snow, sleet, and wind. And it literally got to the point where he almost didn't want to hunt because it was so comfortable in the tent. So. <laughs> <laughs> or I didn't want to because I hate being cold. Oh, and I love, I love to back, <clears throat> excuse me. I love to backpack hunt too. But yeah, it's just different gear, different time, different place. Uh, and you know, the cool thing about a wall tent uh, that I personally really like is that I like the tradition. I like the idea of home away from home. Uh, you know, I come you mean from your tarp is in the home. <laughs> <laughs> That's no shit. It is a home away from home. Yeah. Home is yeah. where you make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I rest my case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, there's something about that tradition, that multi generational thing that's more likely to happen in a wall tent that's gonna happen on a wall on a backpacking hunt. Uh, and so I I like 
I, I just love that and the, the long term, the ability to uh, kind of turn over your experiences, uh, your love of hunting uh, for others in a format that anybody can kind of get to. Now, there's a lot of guys that don't backpack hunt, pack hunt. There's a lot of guys that aspirationally want to backpack hunt, but when it comes right down to it, it's hard. And a lot of guys aren't going to do that. And so to have a, but, and, and for those that do, just to have a place that's that later season kind of place is uh, kind of cool. Well, I, some, sometimes it's nice to have both if you have one buddy that's got the wall tent and then the other buddy's got the, the backpacking set up, a sawtooth or a teepee or something. You can, you can home base it or base camp it out of your wall tent and then you can go out for a couple of days if you need to and, and backpack in. So cool to have a little combination of both. I would say right beside, obviously, what we've creature comforts of the wall tent, uh, photography-wise, they are a pleasure to photograph. Uh, in the day, it's a tent, right? But at night, some of the coolest photos I've taken are of, of uh, you know, wall tents uh, with, you know, with the stars in the background or whatever. You know, you can get them, uh, the lighting about perfect in one where you're getting them to glow. And so that was one thing I brought up to you was like, I have taken some pretty amazing photos of Davis tents because... It, it it's going to be pretty hard to convey a message with a flat tarp, which we sleep under. I'm not, you know, <laughs> but with a wall tent and let's say a rack on the outside, even at night, it conveys the, the picture. And like you said, the brotherhood and the camaraderie and the camp and everything else. And so me being a, a photography geek, um, they, they are fun to photo. I was talking to Trevin Dolphus yesterday and, uh, Man, he does some cool photos and some cool, I mean, he's such a, dude's an artist, you know? I yep. mean, and so, yeah, just some of the stuff that he does, I found a picture that I knew he had taken and wanted to call him about Ira's version of that picture. But yeah, we could populate our entire site with nighttime pictures of wall tents because they're so damn cool. Yeah, no, they are, they are cool. What, uh, on, on the, um, kind of the, we were talking about the weight and everything else. What is someone looking at for like a, a four-man type shelter um, with a stove and everything? Because not really the, the actual, the outer shell of it. It's the, the poles that kill you for the weight. But what, what are you looking at for weight on one of these? Taylor, can you do <clears throat> Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for just like the canvas, you know, for like our standard 14 by 16, you know, elk package, uh, you know, the, the canvas is going to weigh about 66 pounds. You know, the frame overall is going to be about 100, but then we break that down into three different pull bags because there's three different lengths, you know, of your poles. You got your legs, your ridges, and your rafters. And then after that, you know, your stove is about 100 pounds. But, you know, what's great about it is everything's separate as far as, you know, you know, packing it, packing it in and, you know, putting in the truck and unloading it. So it's not too bad. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I mean, in reality, like, um, when you're staying for a week or more and you're pulling the truck up, really not that big of a deal. And people have broke that, you know, talk to me about that. And, and sometimes a lot of those guys, they set them up for the entire month, right? They don't, they don't pull them down because they're coming in and out quite a bit. And I think you're not supposed to technically have one, something up for more than 14 days in Colorado, which no. Yeah, I think uh, I saw James Hardesty. You guys work with James? Yeah, a little bit. He had like a hot tub and a TV and shit in his. <laughs> I was like, what? That's so James. Yeah. Right uh, he's a unique individual. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're, yeah, a lot of those guys <clears throat> setting them up, especially the guys that horse pack in. Um, you know, we, um, I'm not going to mention the wilderness area, but, uh, you know, they, 
they, they had told us they were outfitters, which I knew they were full of shit, but uh, they had had theirs up a week before season and they didn't pull that fucker down until a week after bow season. <laughs> and I didn't, it's not like I turned them in. I didn't care. In fact, I ate all their Oreo cookies one night when we ran out of food. I swung in <laughs> and we ended up sleeping in it. Um, which you, whatever, maybe that's looked as unethical. I really didn't care. I'm like, I didn't turn you in, so I'm going to eat your cookies. But <laughs> they had, uh, had, when they had <laughs> I didn't know unethical cookie eating. Uh, you know scary. what? They were the mint Oreos. <laughs> so what had happened is we, and it was actually, it was one of your tents. Um, we were probably four miles from base camp and uh, we'd gotten on a bull and it just got late and, you know, we, we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll just make it back. We'll, we'll be fine. You know, headlamp or whatever. Well, we kind of, the light popped on. We're like, that wall tent's like 400 yards from us. And I'm like, I <laughs> think they have food because we were out. And he's like, well, we'll just like, we'll just go ask them. Well, there wasn't any asking because there was nobody there. So I'm like, dude, we might as well get the stove going and sleep here. They got cots, right? So we ended up sleeping in whoever it was. Shelter, I left a note and said, I ate your cookies. Sorry with my phone number if you want money back. Because they had nothing but they had two of those big things of mint Oreos. And so James ate one box and I ate the other. That was our meal. Um, and then they had the stove. So we warmed up, stayed there that night. And then we didn't have to go back. We got right back on that bull the next morning. And he ended up killing a, a cow. But yeah, I don't know whose Davis tent it was, but we used the shit out of it. So. I love it. Like a, like, a, like a mountain hut, right? Yeah. Go from hut to hut. Well, we were going back to the, uh, I think I was in a bivy and a tarp. So uh, needless to say, I got a lot better sleep that night in someone else's car. They had pillows and bedrolls the whole nine. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, while we're talking about, there is a bit of suffering that's involved with backpack hunting. And that's one of the reasons why people, you know, do it. So by the time, what are we going after it? between fishing and scouting and everything for four months, probably. So after four months of beating up my body, yeah, I'm ready to, you know, to, you know, like whitetail hunt and sit in a tree stand and eat a ho-ho or, or a late season rifle and sleep in a wall tent. Your body's pretty beat up. And so it's not like I stand on a moral horse of I'm going to rough it everywhere and I'm, I want to sleep. But hell no. When I see a cot and a giant stove and a wall tent, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sleep in that. Uh, that's, that's what I want. I think it must have been a big boy cot from Davis Tent if it was comfortable with a good bedroll on it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I bet that thing, it had to have been 30 <clears throat> some inches wide. Uh, I mean, it yeah. was, it was probably that wide. And uh, yeah, it had a bedroll, you know, on, on it, you know, like I was calling cowboy rolls or whatever. But, and you guys actually sell all that kind of stuff, don't you? Or, yeah. Yeah. And we have for a long time and, you know, we haven't always marketed it in a great way. But, uh, you know, we've been really tr honing in our sleep system, I guess, as much as anything. Uh, we've got a great cot that uh, Art Davis designed years ago that's, we advertise it with, I don't know, Taylor, is it five or six guys standing on it? I think we have a picture on our website with almost like seven, ten guys just, just yeah. standing on it. So, you know how people advertise cots as a 250-pound capacity or 350-pound or 300-pound, I think, is the most I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, our, our cots are going to hold anybody. And outfitters, they're heavy. They're 32 pounds. Yep, yep. Uh, but outfitters haul them into the backcountry on their horses because they know their client isn't going to sit in the middle of the cot and break the thing. So it's a, it's a pretty neat system. We have, we have a, a cot pad. We have bed rolls. We're just, uh, we just rolled out a sleeping bag cover because a lot of people used our cowboy bed rolls to cover their sleeping bag to protect it. And we thought, well, why not have a specific 
system for a sleeping bag that would be, you know, cowboy bedrolls are 17 foot long pieces of fabric, seven feet wide. And so they're a little bit un, unwieldy. So yeah, I'm we've pulling, been pulling up your website now. Um, yeah, you guys, that's pretty clean. I, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you've got custom tent builder, uh, glamping tents, hunting tent packages, outdoor dining tents, uh, shade awnings. Uh, so pretty, pretty, you know, whatever, single pull tents, cook tents. Uh, so it's fairly discernible what you want. Here's sleep system. So click on that. And yeah, you've got the full package on there, cot package, cot sleeping bag covers. So how often, I mean, when guys get on there, I mean, we, we, I would say we, we have guys that maybe had a really bad experience and will drop 2,500 bucks on our gear. How often do you have guys that just go full on $10,000 order on tents, cots, the whole nine? Does that happen semi-frequently? I mean, once a year, we usually have a group of certain individuals that probably have felt enough pain that they're like, fuck it, I'm dropping the money. Do you yeah. guys get that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we do a lot of, a lot of what we do is packages. Yeah. Uh, and I would say <clears throat> it's probably less than probably every couple of weeks, somebody really does a, something that's, I mean, a complete setup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say once or twice a week for sure, you know, they get a, the package and then they get basically, you know, we have all sorts of different accessories yeah. too, you know, as far as, you know, just to make the, the wall tent experience more enjoyable. And so, you know, they, they get really into it and watch all the videos and, and just, you know, basically buy everything. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to buy a 16 by 20 tent. They're going to buy a cook shack with it. They're going to get four cots with it. They're going to get um, awning and a fly for the whole thing. I mean, and so it, it's, it's, it's pretty frequent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know like we're going to use, we're doing a, a glassing uh, kind of class or seminar down in the Davis Mountains with, with Corbin. And it's going to be, um, you know, from top to bottom, you know, what to use from tripods on up and then how to how to grid and how to glass and then we're going to do uh, what's called like target detection where you have like an arrow or a binocular harness or a shed you know at a closer distance where you have to pick it out anyway but we're going to have your tent set up down there one so everybody can sleep in them but two we're going to have our tents your tents so people can kind of see um top to bottom the total package a lot of our clients have heard of us from joe rogan from about hunting Sure. So they don't know what a tarp or a wall tent, they don't know shit, right? I mean, they don't know anything. And so it's a way to, while we're showing them out of glass also, you know, well, we're going to sleep in the, I mean, I'm not going to be sleeping under a tarp. We'll have one set up, right? And then mm -hmm. we're going to have your tent set up as well. Because I don't think people realize that you can be comfortable no matter where you're at out in the woods, where you're 14 miles in or you're 14 feet from the truck, you can't have a good experience. It doesn't have to be pain and suffering the entire time. So. Frank. Well, that's a good point, if, especially if you're trying to introduce someone to hunting. And like you're saying, you have a lot of new hunters, but if, if you're taking a buddy out for the first time, I think it's important if you want them to continue hunting with you, it's important <laughs> for them to enjoy the experience. So you don't want to introduce them to a, a, a grueling backpack hunt where you are going Spartan mode under a, a tarp and a bivy. Um, you may want to introduce them slowly into something that's a little bit more comfortable and show them that, like you said, it can be, can be enjoyable and comfortable at times doesn't always have to be a grind. And a lot of these guys, they have <laughs> a lot of money. Um, you know, they, they're doing well and they've gotten to a point in their career like, I don't want to keep working. I want to go have fun. And so they're like, okay, 
tell me what I need, and they're ready to go. So yeah, yeah, that's that's that guy that comes in and buys the whole package. You know, I I think what's super cool is you know our our products aren't cheap. They're also not inexpensive, and our core customer base is blue collar guys. I can tell you though to interrupt. I can tell you for a fact. If you buy a cheap wall tent, you will fucking regret it because I've slept in one <laughs> twice. It blew down both times. <laughs> I heard you guys talking about fabrics the other day, uh, 30D or, you know, and just the differences between fabrics. And, and that same thing is true. You know, it's like, I think the point is that people see 30D and they think it's 30D is 30D is 30D. And then you figure out it's not because polymer sizes or whatever is different, which impacts the abrasion resistance and whatnot of the fabric. The exact same thing is true in canvas. I mean, a lot of people would like you to think canvas is canvas is canvas. And there are, I mean, you can go with a gold standard canvas or you can go with a canvas that looks like the gold standard canvas. And there's a big damn difference in performance, you know, over the, even the, even the one time, but certainly over the long haul, what's going to happen with that product. You know, talking about that, and, and I'm not, I'm asking, um, it seemed like the, Gold standard canvas was a little bit less susceptible to mold buildup, and especially if you had to put your shelter away wet uh, and you know get it back out, that the lower standard canvas would mold and rot and deteriorate much faster than the higher end canvas. I'm not saying you can leave the higher end covered in water and mold and you'll be fine, but the other thing too was the abrasion resistance throwing it in the back of the truck really fast, like, okay, I'm not putting this thing together back away correctly. It's cold. I fuck, fuck it, right? You're at that, you're the Friday night build type of mentality. Throw it in the back of the truck and it catches something that shouldn't tear, starts a small tear, then you get high wind and you're erecting it. And pretty soon, let's say you save 300 bucks. Well, you made it one year and your tent's destroyed where you spent four times that amount but it made it 20 years. Mm-hmm, well, sure. if you t- what would you say is um, average cost of, uh, not the full package, but enough to get out in the outdoors? So, you know, the frame, the floor, uh, the f- and, and, and the outer shell, what would that cost for a four-man? I think a 14 by 16, uh, you're probably going to be into it for about 1500 bucks at the end of the day. So I'm going to bump that up a little bit. So I, I'm, let's say 18 because they throw some costs in there or whatever. So, sure. um, so 1800 and then would you say the average life of a wall tent when taken care of would be a 15, 20 year? Outfit? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, our outfitters typically get 10, 12 years out of their tents. And, you know, those are set up months at a time. And mostly those are taking damage at the bottom of the tent or they're spiked into the ground. Yeah. And so it's not, it, I mean, when guys say to me, hey, my tent is 14 years old, I always say, huh, just a teenager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fine. So let's just bump it up to two grand then, and you went, you know, went a little more than what we were talking about. If that lasts fifteen years, that's one hundred three dollars, one hundred thirty three dollars a year. I spent that on Copenhagen in the last couple this weeks. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and I try to break that down to people as like, look, it's an investment in the beginning, and whether that's whether it's your tent or a pack or a tarp or whatever, you got to break it down to what you're spending per year for its life. Not what you spent initially, because if it's life, well, it'd be like a dog. This is the most beautiful dog, and you're going to have it 12 months. Yeah, this dog's a little uglier, but you get it for 12 years. <laughs> well, 
I want the twelve year dog. I don't want the twelve months dog, right? So is that an applicable analogy? That is a, a very interesting analogy. <laughs> yeah, probably not the best. You get it. <laughs> you want to have? What if you don't have any friends? You need one for twelve years. You don't want the one year friend, and, and your dog might be your only friend. So fuck off, Frank. No, <laughs> um, but twelve month dog. <laughs> you don't want the twelve month dog. Um, but same thing. I mean, obviously that might not have been the best way to look at it, but I would say that there is gear. Well, Frank, what do you think your MSR reactor has, has cost you per year now? Oh, geez, man. Not very much. It's, it's yeah. down to... That thing is old. Dumb one dollar. Oh, it's got military issue glasses. It's just a backpacking stove. So, but that's the most expensive stove to go buy. What are they, 189 bucks now? It might be more than that. I should check. Yeah, but... <clears throat> I mean, that has lasted probably half of Frank's short life. Like, so he's, yeah. I mean, you probably had it 12 years, 10 years, haven't you? Had a long time. They're uh, 250 ish now, 230, 250. Yeah. So, yeah, just for people, uh, so let's say 250 bucks, and let's say you've had that for 12 years. So that's 20 bucks a year. So it doesn't really, you can't look at that initial dollar amount because I didn't really think your guys' is expensive. I mean, sure. I mean, well, I, I challenge people, go look around. Wall tents are a wall tent. So the way that I look at it is you're supporting, you know, once you get down to the dollar amount, you're supporting, like in this case, a local company. You guys have been in business for a long time. You make a great proven product. And so if you do drop, you know, 1500 to 2500 bucks, well, unless you're 80 when you buy it, that is for the rest of your life within reason, unless you know, you don't take care of it or whatever. So it's really not that much a year. Like what, 150 bucks a year on the high end is pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're doing what you guys do here. You got a great product and you support your customers, right? And I, I think that that's really the magic. I mean, it's pretty cool out there today. I mean, customer service is so bad just in general. I mean, we all deal with it. We all know it. We can't get help anywhere. You can't get anybody on the phone that knows anything about anything if you really have an issue. And so when you know and feel here that somebody actually stands behind you, I mean, we have, we have one pretty simple customer service rule in our business, and that is to treat people like you'd want to be treated. I mean, it's not that complicated. Yeah. But guess what? It's an awesome market position because hardly anybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. And so you guys know that because I know how, how you deal with people around here. And it's just, I mean, people, they gravitate toward that. If you're willing to do it, most companies aren't. It can, it's more expensive to do that. You have to do things that maybe uh, make you feel uncomfortable once in a while because maybe, maybe it wasn't your fault. It was the yeah. consumer fault. But, you know, you take care of those things. and You're saying that very polite. I'll... Sometimes you have to take it in the ass when you don't want to. Is that what you're trying to say? It is. It is. And, and, and then you have to swallow hard. And then, you have to, and then on top of that, you have to act like you're happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> because nobody wants to go away feeling like, oh, okay, I'm a dick, but he helped me out. Yeah. So. We usually end up with that. You know, a guy comes at you with both barrels and you're like, hold on, dude. Like, you haven't even given us a chance to screw up yet. Like, give me yeah. a minute, you know, before you... I would say, though, probably once a year, we, we block somebody from purchasing Kafaru for, for good reason. Sure. Well, maybe probably once every, it's actually been three years since I've done it. Yeah, I don't yeah think, it's been a while. And, and uh, it was one of those, he, his initial question to me was, what's the lifespan of a teepee? And I said, with hard use, about 10 years. You know, that's what we expect. 
well, I bought this nine and a half years ago. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, you know, and, and honestly, at that point, I was still fine, right? Yeah. I did leave it up an entire year in the sun. And I'm like, well, yeah, man, um, I'll offer you a cost on a new one. And he was pissed. And I'm like, well, <laughs> if I go buy a car and I jump the fucker, right? I, I go take it in the sand dunes. I can't really expect it to be under warranty because it's meant for driving down the road, right? Like, I mean, and he, start, he brought up North Face. I had a North Face 10 I bought four years ago and it blew down. They gave me a new one. And I'm like, I believe you, their margins are about 700%. Uh, they're made by 30 cent an hour slave labor. I bet they did. I, I'm not, I, I, I believe you. Yeah. Uh, we're not doing that, right? And this was your fault. Um, you know, what it got, the, the sun deteriorates the fabric. Sure. And then the wind blew, blew down. And we were willing to give him um, 50% off a brand new shelter. Uh, he called me a lot of things that weren't, which it's the phone, right? I mean, whatever. But finally, I'm like, all right, um, I'm just going to block you from buying from us again. I said, the offer still stands. I'll, I, will, I will stay true to my word for that, even though I'm blocking you. But you will never buy anything from us again because you're being an unfair customer. We're bending over backwards for a mistake you made. And that probably happens once every couple of years. The cool thing is it only happens once every couple of years. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, we're, Taylor and I, we talk about this around our shop all the time. Our customer base is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, you run into that guy once in a while, but it's so unusual that, you know, you just live with it and move on when it happens because our people are smiling and happy to be spending a bunch of money with us because they're excited about the product and, uh, and, and have, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of big plans around what they're going to do with it. Oh yeah. Well, and I always look at it. I try to put it. I buy a lot of different gear and use gear. If I wear a set of boots for two years, it, if they give me a discount, if there's an issue, I'm very gracious because I've beat those boots up really bad in two years. Now, if I only wore them twice in two years, different story. But heavy use in two years and they're leaking. They gave me a discount on a new set. I'm pretty dang happy, right? Footwear is just not a long-lasting thing. Right. And obviously, footwear is different than a, than a shelter. But you guys, I've never heard anything negative towards you guys as far as any warranty issues. Or I mean, you guys do very, from what I've seen, a very good job with that. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the history. Go into that a little bit more, though. So, we, you went from... Uh, saddles to, to, to shelters and he had made or to, to wall tents he had made wall tents before and then how long before each transition happened from you know grandson to son to you yeah sure uh roy davis got involved in the 90s i'm gonna say around 93 i might be a little bit off on that date and so art had grown the business and just needed more help in fact i think it had probably grown to the point that it was going to grow under Art's tutelage. And Roy made a, a big move in the late 90s. He built a website in the 90s. So we're talking about dude that built a website with pictures on dial-up internet. And so I think most of us can't even fathom that today. Uh, I can remember dial-up. Yeah. I can remember uploading some pictures, but I can't, um, you can't even imagine building a website. And so that was a big deal, right? I mean, it turned a company that was just almost exclusively a Colorado Word of uh, mouth. Word of mouth kind of business into something that now all of a sudden you could order online and it had some, a little bit of reach to it. And Rick, uh, his brother, uh, worked for Dardano Shoes for years. 
and uh, he came into the business somewhere in the 2000s, and, uh, and Art left sometime after that. It was 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, something along those lines. Uh, and so those guys ran the business. Rick uh, was really a committed manufacturing guy that did a great job in the shop every day. And Chris uh, has been there since I think somebody had to change his diapers or probably <laughs> something like that. I think he claims 12 years old when he, he actually- He may have been conceived on a cutting table. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> well, it gives me something to talk to Roy about. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he's been there for- Chris is 33, maybe? Yeah, I think 35. Okay, 35. So he's been- uh, around that business and, and then started working full-time in it right after high school. So he's really been there kind of forever. And, you know, it was kind of a neat transition when, when I bought the business. Uh, you know, Chris was, you know, under his dad and his uncle. And I think that, you know, he probably wasn't going to be able to do a lot more than he was doing then, you know, until something changed. And, you know, we just took a dump truck and loaded the responsibility on him. And uh, turned out he'd learned a lot over the years and he's done a great job. So we're, you know, and, and, and I also think that it's kind of neat because it, there's some authenticity that comes along with uh, having Chris as part of the business. And Well, I would say that's happened here. You know, a lot of people, <clears throat> once you took the cuffs off, so to speak, and let them blossom or I don't know, whatever you want to grow, that there was a lot of um, knowledge in there that maybe was held back. Not purposefully or whatever, but, you know, it's just if you start off at the bottom, working your way up, but nobody ever gets out of your way, you're going to have trouble, you know, moving up. Um, yep, I would say sure. that's probably happened. Well, it hasn't probably. Everybody here is crushing it, and they're all underlings at one point. And, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing because you, somebody, like you said, Chris, took a dump truck, backed it up to his office and said, get her done. Right. Well, he, he probably would have never been in a position to, to do that because he was under his family, not because they were trying to hold him back or anything, but no. just, just because they had the reins and they didn't need it, you handed him the reins because he, yeah. he knew more than anyone else. And it sounds like he's done an amazing job, which is cool. He has. And uh, yeah, he has a great way about him and, you know, does a great job in our facility and with our people. And, uh, you know, we're working on processes now, you know, when you grow 75% or whatever it's been in the last couple of years, uh, you break crap. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're learning and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fun journey. And I, you know, I probably should have said, I, I've been friends with the Davis family uh, since the time that I moved to Colorado, which was in the 90s. Roy and I met one of the first people that I met, just obviously very coincidentally. We played softball together. We had done a lot of fly fishing together. And so uh, I became their biggest customer. I started a company in 2010 called Outdoors Geek, which is a gear rental company that also does uh, what I call mobile glamping. So we set up for music festivals like Coachella and the uh, the Albuquerque Balloon Festival and things like that. Frank goes to all those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I ran uh, into Frank. I, I walked into the front in Coachella one time. I ran into a guy taking a selfie, and then I ran into another person taking a selfie, and then I ran... Oh, it's on... It was a lot of ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> Bad place. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it's everything that you think of it. Yeah. I mean... I've never actually been, but I, just can, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I go there only because I work at places like that, but I'm telling, I'm dead serious about that. 
my son and I walked through the front gate and it was like, you start dodging people because there's people standing everywhere taking selfies. And then pretty much you say, screw this. Yeah. <laughs> not walk through this. <laughs> Hand me some drugs. Yeah. Give me alcohol. Yeah. 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 Uh, so after starting Outdoors Geek, I became their largest customer, which wasn't that big of a thing to say. They have, I mean, we have a really diverse customer base, but I bought hundreds of wall tents. Yeah. And so I learned a lot about Canvas over that decade, how to take care of it. Uh, I bought some stuff that wasn't Davis. I found out about the differences. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, it put me in a great position when they wanted to uh, retire. Uh, easy deal to get done. Yeah. Well, no, that's cool. Um, we're kind of hitting, we got another podcast we do in here in a little bit. So I want you to, one, um, talk about Archery Geek just a little bit more. It's not Davis Tent, but you, you just rent out backpacking and camping gear. Yeah, at Outdoors Geek. So we're, we're going to handle more of your, back, your, your classic backpacker, you know, that's going to go out for two, three, four, five days and uh, hit a wilderness area, you know, and uh, enjoy it. And so a lot but of you don't do have gear. Weddings as well, right? Well, the wedding part of it is really on the event side of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, you bet we do weddings. Cool thing about that is we get on some of the coolest property in the country, you know, that 20,000 acre ranch in Montana and things like that. The people that can afford to <laughs> yeah, have us out there. The shit you only look at in pictures. Oh, yeah. totally. I mean, the, the guys that have hockey rinks on their property because their grandson got into hockey. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Exactly that kind of stuff. That's happened. In fact, that's happened twice. People have hockey rinks built on their property. It's unbelievable. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about a little ice pond here. Frank I'm and I were just happy on. we had two bathrooms in an apartment. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a two-bedroom apartment right now that I'm renting. <laughs> so, so yeah, but a lot of it is we, we ship gear at Outdoors Geek. We ship gear all over the country uh, for a lot of people landed at a first-night hotel. Maybe they're going to, I think the example when you and I were talking about, Aaron, was Yosemite. They've got a first-night hotel. They're flying in from New York or Ohio or Florida or whatever. And uh, we ship it there with a return uh, label. They keep their box and their return label. They go out and use their gear. They stuff it back in the box and ship it. Yeah, you have a return label and everything, so it's kind of a one-and-done simple transition. Easy peasy. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, instead of spending two, three grand getting a couple of people hooked up, they might have spent three, four hundred. Gotcha. And then as far as uh, Davis Tent, so on the social media side, like what, where the, can they find you on social media and then, you know, the website um, and then – Obviously, you know, we talked about a little bit about pricing and the options you guys have, you know, lead times, are those going to go up or down? What people, if they want to get one before next August, when do they need to order busiest season? Go into that just a little bit. I'll handle the lead time real quick, and then I'm going to have Taylor talk about social media since I don't know much about it. Uh, Lead time stuff, uh, we were out to 12, possibly pushing against 14 weeks sometimes this year. Right now, we're probably in the six to eight week area. Um, I don't see any big slowdown, you know, either. Uh, this December to exceed last December, and there's a lot of general demand. Uh, I think that, you know, what, what we're going to experience if we experience it just like last year is a huge push in the spring. And uh, so I would get your order in before that. <laughs> we have a great sports show special going on right now. And that's a great way to get into gear at a little bit less money. And so, uh, but if you want your tent before uh, maybe a September hunt, maybe so you want it by August 15th, I would just plan on, you know, at the very minimum, have your stuff together 12 to 14 weeks out in front of that. 
just to make sure. And we're, we're going to give you very uh, a very good idea from lead time. So this isn't some kind of a crapshoot where it, well, it's two to 12 weeks. I mean, if we know we're 10 to 12 weeks out, we're going to tell you exactly where we are. We are experts at hitting due dates. Uh, there's not guys that don't get their tent that want to go hunting. We make sure that happens or we don't or commit to it. Taylor, you want to handle the social media stuff? Yeah. Uh, so we have an Instagram account. Uh, you can find us at Davis underscore tent underscore official. Uh, we are on Facebook uh, just as Davis Tent. And then our website, uh, obviously, is just davistent.com. Gotcha. Well, cool. Well, fellas, I appreciate you guys coming over here and uh, hopping on the podcast. We're obviously looking forward to working with you guys, local company, good dudes, and uh, and everything else. And sorry, we got to cut this a little bit short, but um, um, the guys, we got Prime Archery coming on the next podcast, and uh, I have a feeling that might be a one opportunity because those guys are busy as well. So it worked out we get you guys in here and get them on next. So I do want to have uh, somebody grab you guys, give you a tour. I know you want to look some of our machines, probably have Bender come down. and For sure. Bender gets all geeked out on this stuff, so he'll be all kinds of excited. But, <laughs> cool. but yeah, thanks again, everybody. T- uh, check out Davis Tent, uh, super good product and uh, great people behind it. And uh, everybody, I want you to... Make sure and look at uh, Frank's shirt when you get a chance at the photo. It absolutely happens to be. You don't like this one or do you like this one? I do, but it was weird because you and Dave both have the same shirt on today. Yeah. Super awkward. We planned that, actually. <laughs> no, that's the first one you've wore I like. You could hunt in that, Fred Bear. Could I? Oh, yeah. Well, even yeah. with the little red tag? Yeah. That doesn't set. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. you'd be okay. You're a ninja. This one has snaps, too. Do You don't like the snaps. Well, are they sequins? I mean... Yeah, that's not bad. The deer might see it, but I'll find a way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.